You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. Welcome to the Captain's Coach Podcast. This is the first episode of a handful that is a part of our sports philosophy series. Normally, we are talking to athletes, coaches, and thought leaders about actionable, practical leadership in sports and how to be better leaders on and off the field. The conversation in this series will be focused on the meaning of sport and what kind of assumptions we have that go unchallenged. Today, I have the great pleasure of speaking to my first guest in this series, Heather Reed. Heather is currently a scholar in residence at Excedra Mediterranean Center in Sicily and is also a professor of philosophy at Morningside University in Iowa. She is an expert in everything to do with the philosophy of sport, going back to ancient history as well as the Olympics and Greek mythology. She has published numerous articles and scholarly works along with a handful of books. Her books include Olympic Philosophy, Introduction to the Philosophy of Sport, Athletics and Philosophy in the Ancient World, and the philosophical athlete. Today, we discuss the purpose of sport and how it relates to moral education, some assumptions that we make as athletes and coaches but may not always act on, and some things Heather thinks the sports world gets wrong today. It was an absolute pleasure talking to her today and has set the stage for the ensuing conversations during the sports philosophy series. I hope you all enjoy as much as I did on another episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for being a part of the Captain's Coach podcast today, coming from all the way across the world in Sicily. Uh, so it's great to have you, even with the time gap. Uh, and I'm sure the, the listeners out here are going to be extremely happy with, with what comes out of this conversation. So, you know, we could go a million different ways with this conversation. And, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the things that you're researching right now before we started recording, but I think a good, just really broad general place to start for this sport philosophy series is what is the purpose of sport as you see it? Well, I have a really specific answer for that that might surprise you. And I think that the, the answer is the purpose of sport is education. And I think of this in actually a really narrow way. It's about moral education. And what I mean by that is it's a way of trying to bring out the best character of human beings, um, virtues like uh, courage and persistence and dealing with all of the things that we deal with in life. And I think if you go all the way back to the uh, origins of competitive sport in ancient Greece, you'll find that this is the purpose, the really positive purpose that they've always served. Yeah, no, that is, it's very specific. And, you know, it's not one that's usually completely fleshed out probably by most coaches or athletes, you know, that education piece is obviously there. You know, if you always ask college coaches, you know, what's the real reason you coach, you know, it's, it's, it's not just to, you know, win championships and get your players to the next level. You know, that is a, that is a part of it for some coaches and and some sports specifically, but 
more importantly and more often you'll hear the answer of, you know, I want to develop these individuals as holistic people. I want them to do well as mothers and fathers and, you know, participating citizens. But to hear it even narrowed down to kind of that moral education and, and used as a tool, like you said, all the way back in Greek mythology and ancient history, you know, what, what kind of evidence have you come across in your research? Because I know this is a, is a big piece of your, your research right now that kind of points you to that, that end state of moral education over, you know, maybe something more, you know, commonly answered of, you know, the physical training, getting you ready for physical life or, or maybe, you know, being able to handle dispute and pressure. What makes you come to the, the moral education? Well, if we look back, I mean, the first thing to say, too, is that the Greek word for education, which is paideia, is also can be translated as culture. So when we say education, and I say it's education, I don't mean that it's something for children or that's something only that's useful when you're in school or even when you're young. What I mean by education and moral education is something that a community does in order to celebrate and promote the human qualities that it finds most useful and most worth celebrating. And a lot of times they do this, um, historically speaking, and I think even today, we do this by celebrating, celebrating and even reenacting the um, great things that heroes did, or less the great things that heroes did, but the great sort of qualities they had the courage, the strength, the ability to deal with adversity, the ability to help others, the ability to work with others in order to achieve a common goal. These kinds of things are celebrated and then reenacted in sport. And it's through the reenactment that we both prize these kinds of qualities and we also help to cultivate them in ourselves. No, that's an extremely, I think, interesting way to think about it. Um, you know, it, just to see how important, and I love the idea, you know, when we think of education, it's not just for, for children or even just for young adults. It's really for everyone in society to be able to continue their education, you know, specifically on a moral and cultural side of things. So, like you said, we're celebrating the best aspects of our culture and making sure those are the things that are passed down. And if we can use sport to kind of mirror that and reflect it and be able to push those lessons of our culture and our morality and kind of our shared values through our sport, then we're setting up the next generation to be able to excel in the culture and the society that we've created. So I think that's a great, yeah, I think Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, even, I mean, it doesn't even have to be so practical as um, being about um, excelling in the sense of being successful in practical projects. And I think it has to do with just trying to celebrate what's best about humanity and uh, celebrate the kinds of, of qualities that help us deal with um, the, the ups and downs of life. And the really great thing about sport is because these qualities are human qualities, sport is able to, um, to be cross-cultural, to actually 
you know, you might not be able to communicate with another person um, verbally because you speak a different language or you look differently, you come from completely different cultures. But if you're both out there in a running race, there's going to be a communication that goes on that's based on your shared humanity, your shared suffering, your shared desires, and so on. And so we're able to, as human beings, we're able to use sport to sort of remind us what's important in life, too, and what's important about humanity, what we all have in common, and what really matters. And what really matters is not winning, it's having the virtues that enable us to um, to win, or really more importantly, to compete, to strive, to try to um, make something good out of the opportunities that we have as human beings. And I think sport just sort of, you know, it's something that we humans have invented to celebrate and to promote that, uh, which leads to better communities. And, and we were kind of, <laughs> we were geniuses, so to speak, to do it, because it's so easy to get too caught up in your day-to-day um, measures of success, whether you're uh, in business or you're in school or whatever you are, you can really forget about just being a human and having a life and that there's something universal about that, that, that makes it good and exciting that we can try to make it better. You know, that's huge. And bringing in that cross-cultural mentality, the universal mentality, you know, that's the, the great thing about the Olympics, right? Like that's what the Olympics are about is bringing the entire world together. And yes, we all come from different backgrounds and speak different languages, but seeing these athletes compete and participate in the athletes themselves being able to is, you know, considered one of the greatest honors, not just in sports, obviously, but, you know, at any facet of life, it's, it's an amazing honor to be able to compete on that level with all different athletes coming from everywhere. And then you look at a sport like soccer, you know, that's, that's a big piece of soccer is how universally played and from the top of the, you know, demographics all the way to the bottom level income and impoverished countries, you know, it's, it's just a universal language that every country in the world virtually speaks is, is soccer and sport, if nothing else. So I think that's really interesting. What are some things that you think coaches and athletes miss out on or, or are not considering, or maybe some assumptions that really don't go challenged in today's world? I mean, I think that there's one of the biggest problems that we have in sport today is that people get inside the sport bubble and they act as if nothing else matters outside it where it's really sort of the opposite. What happens within sport is what really doesn't matter. Um, you know, being able to put a ball into a net or to into a hole or to make a great pass or it's being able to do even things like being able to run fast. These things are not intrinsically meaningful. They don't make life better. What makes life better is people who are able, people who have the character to do good things outside of sport. Um, now, one thing you can do within sport is you can inspire other people to do good things outside of sport. Right. Um, but I think we can get all caught up on just what happens within sport. You know, my whole life could be dedicated to winning a, a gold medal or a championship or something. And I forget that, that really that's not a meaningful thing. And whether you're paid for it or not, and you could say, well, yeah, but they'll make a lot of money if they do that. But there's other ways to make money. So we have to think about what makes 
makes sport important. And what makes sport important is what it can do to human beings that enables us to do great things beyond sport. And it, sport itself doesn't matter. So that's, I think, the first problem is that we get closed down. We can't, as they say, you can't see the forest for the trees. You're so focused on that next game or this statistic or um, the numbers on your, on your ergometer or your cycle computer, whatever is telling you how many watts you produce, all these kinds of things become so focused on these minutia that we forget the really big picture of what we're doing. And what happens then is oftentimes you miss the beauty of what you're doing. And I have an example, kind of a personal example um, that will illustrate what I'm talking about, the beauty of it. There's a, a mountain pass in the Italian Alps called the Gavia. And it's a very, very challenging um, climb that, that has really steep grades. It's very long, it's high altitude. It's a great athlete, but it is unbelievably beautiful there in the snow-capped peaks. The, the whole road is about two yards wide. There's goat um, and just, you know, the sound of the goat bells and you can see some of the glaciers around and the white peaks and the blue sky and the fresh air and the green grass. And it's this incredible aesthetic experience. And one time I climbed it a few years ago alongside a guy who was obsessed with his, um, his bike computer that was telling him how many watts he was producing and what his heart rate was and what that. And he was so fixated on the, this computer and the numbers that he was putting out in his performance. And he didn't notice the incredibly beautiful environment he is. And he was not a competitive athlete. He was, you know, maybe did a couple of, uh, you know, public level competitions, but it's not like this was his career, but he was obsessed with the numbers of his performance and ended up forgetting just the experience of being able to exercise out in a beautiful, beautiful environment. Dang. Yeah, that is, uh, you know, I think something that a lot of the listeners and, and myself included can kind of think of a time where, where that, you know, the moral of that story was reflected on us. You know, there were times in, in college where we just went for a couple of weeks, just putting our head down, grinding, you know, three, three hour practices a day. Um, and you look up, you know, three weeks later and you're just like, geez, I just, you know, should be taking this in. I'm hanging out with my best friends every day. I get this time, you know, especially I went to, to West Point and really lacrosse was kind of our, our outlet at the end of the day um, after being cooped up all day. So, you know, sometimes I think the experience was lost on us and how great it was. So I think it's a, it's a common sentiment that I think is understood by many and all. And that's just such a, the perfect story to kind of highlight that. Don't get focused on, you know, the, the glitzy and the glamour and the numbers and the metrics when reality there's that big picture that's really the important part. And I think that's a great, a great story to kind of summarize it. What do you think are some and things? You don't have to be, I'm sorry, I ran. No, 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 no. go ahead, Heather. Go ahead. Well, I was going to add on to it that you don't even have to be. I use that, that story to illustrate, you know, visually this really beautiful environment. But when I think about beauty that we experience as athletes, um, I don't know. It's not even so much what you see through your eyes. It's that feeling um, 
in your self when you've got everything lined up right and you're fit and you're performing well and you're really at this you know we call it the zone a lot you just have mm -hmm. this moment where you you're you're doing something amazing this challenge and you're up to the challenge and you really you're 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 performing at your peak as an athlete and as, kind of as a human being and i think that you know you can be inside a stinky gym or you know on a little cross field or wherever you want and you don't have to be in this incredibly beautiful environment to have this sort of internal perception of the beauty of being human and of being able to, you know, accomplish what you've worked really hard to do and to, to, to reach a high level. So you don't even, you know, the beauty that we experience as athletes um, doesn't even have to be something you can see. It's something you feel, something you experience. Right, exactly. And I think that's important. You know, it is not just the visual aspect, but more importantly, it's the feeling it's the the general environment culture feeling experience not just the the visual aspect um you know because you know what else is interesting oh go ahead yeah i was just going to add to that another thing that's interesting is that a lot of athletes don't sort of realize what the beauty of sport is until they are not able to do it because of an injury or maybe a pandemic that doesn't allow you or whatever and you are not able to exercise uh, or you know or play much less at a high level um, and you will miss that and then i think with really high level competition when you're when you those of us who've competed at a high level and you know what it's like to really be in shape to be doing really well um, to be working with the team and all those things, and then it's taken away later in life. It's it's then you appreciate how beautiful it is. Yeah, it's the classic. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Um, right. It stinks. You know, I've been in that position before. Um, I think a lot of athletes go through it, and and I think you know similar to that is when you're done playing at the level that you're used to. You know, you can still play recreationally, but I think then it really hits you. Um, I don't know how many teammates we've talked about how much we struggled through playing in college, how miserable it was sometimes in the freezing cold, freezing rain. And now, now we look back and it was the best time of our lives. Um, and we kind of took it for granted at some points, you know, and that's what you get when, when you're not focused on the bigger picture. So I think because that's such a, you know, issue that, that you've seen and you've pointed out and can kind of point to what the focus should be on, how can coaches or even athletes kind of develop their own philosophy on sport to kind of reflect that bigger picture and what's actually important when it comes down to the, to the, to the actual meaning of sport? I think that's something that, that coaches and, and captains can do is to, is to talk about these aspects of sport and to give um, athletes a space to talk about, you know, um, how great it was just to struggle or you talk about, you know, going out and playing in the freezing rain or something like that. And one of the things I, when I teach my course in philosophy of sport is that I find that I'm giving um, athletes a chance and a space and a vocabulary to talk about these aspects of sport that don't usually get talked about. Um, sometimes you have a beautiful loss, you know, and talking about losing or even injuries and some of the things that we suffer in sports, 
um, it's sort of taboo to talk about that and you never show any kind of weakness. You don't talk about the doubts you had. You don't talk about what, you know, your, everybody might think that because if you're a famous athlete who's, let's say, won a gold medal or national championship, everybody might think that that's your most meaningful experience in sport. But if you actually ask athletes what's meaningful for them and what their meaningful experiences are, they'll talk more often about injuries or even a loss where they really still gave everything they had. Mm -hmm. And so I think having the chance um, to talk about that, giving that, them the space for that is, is really good. And, and making them know that this is about you know, being a good person. I actually think a lot of coaches do that. Uh, it's more on the outside that people don't realize how much athletes are motivated, motivated by the idea of just being good people and trying to, to set examples for their communities. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, having, having the number of coaches I've had on the podcast so far, they've all pretty much had the same sentiment of, you know, the reason why I coach isn't to win championships. It's to develop great human beings, to develop them holistically, not just athletically, but also, you know, turn them into great siblings, great parents, eventually contributing members of society. So I, I think they all understand that, at least at that level. Um, and like you said, maybe just creating the space and the vocabulary and the environment and creating the conversations that allow the athletes to also see that big picture. Because obviously, as you get younger, and yeah, you know, you have college and high school athletes. The focus really is for you on winning, um, and you you aren't able to see kind of the value in losing or see the value in kind of just sport in general. So I think that's that's a good point that maybe coaches have the idea and understand the purpose, but maybe not necessarily have created that environment or you know most importantly that vocabulary, like you said, that lexicon. A language to kind of have those conversations and communicate that message to their teams. Yeah, I mean, I think the simple question, you know, is uh, is sport making me a better person? Um, how can it make me a better person? How can I be a better person through sport? I think it has to be asked honestly. Um, I think a lot of athletes, especially when you're young, you feel exploited, you feel used by um, by coaches, by sponsors, by um, teammates, other people that are using you in order to accomplish their own goals. And so I think that something that, that, that coaches can do is, is also be really clear with the athlete that you do care about them as a person and that you have shared goals and that's the basis um, that, you're, that you're operating on. And I also think we need to, you know, be, be honest about those things, uh, about when athletes are being used. You know, the thing about, there was this great, I was talking about sport is moral education. And one, um, I remember reading a study or, or something that was in a textbook to, um, that talked about how uh, students learn ethics. Cause I taught ethics for many years and I used to tell my students, you know, I can't ethics, I can teach you ethical theory. Um, but the way people learn ethics is by how they're treated by others. Yeah. So really, I was more them ethics by, by treating them fairly, by listening to their situation, by, um, you know, respecting them as human beings in as fair 
um, equitable and you know useful way for them as I could. No, that's so, so interesting. Um, so it's really more about you know how you treat them and making sure that they know that um, that you care about them. I, one thing I, I when I talk with coaches, a lot of times they see a disconnect between, like you say, their motivations, which is usually to help um, athletes become better human beings, and how they're they are rewarded in their job. They tend to be rewarded specifically for wins and losses and other kinds of things. And these soft skills, these things that we really care about oftentimes we're not rewarded. And this is true of teachers of all kinds. As a college professor, um, a lot of times your rewards may be based on, on things that aren't really what you're there. You know, the kid that you really, really push um, to help them get better, um, you know, you may never get any reward for that. Meanwhile, you'd be rewarded thing that's really not that, that meaningful to you. So it's, there can be a disconnect between sort of the structure, the reward structure of sport and what really happens. I think, you know, what's really important. I think sport tries to reward virtues. It tries to reward good behavior, but it's not always successful. Yeah. And in fact, it's spectacularly unsuccessful in cases. And obviously in cases where you have, you know, cheating and scandal like Lance Armstrong and those sorts of stories, but even in other cases where it's just, you know, so many of us athletes, the best performance we ever had was not the one that brought the most famous prize, you know, the best, yeah. that day that you just will never forget that you were really flying, that you played so well. I mean, it, 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 but we, those things are really valuable. So giving, uh, giving a space to talk about that, acknowledging that, um, and acknowledging just the human side of sport is really important. You asked me a minute ago, you said, you know, what are, what do you think is some Thing that we're that we need to do better and I think our biggest risk right now is sport is being dehumanized and the example I gave of people being obsessed with numbers and uh, biometrics and all these other kinds of things um, we have all these great tools where we can measure so many aspects of port, sport performance um, that we become obsessed with it and obsessed about moving the numbers but of course really that's not what's meaningful about sport and I think by focusing too much on, um, and even maybe on the body, but on specifically on biometrics and on numbers that we dehumanize the sport. We forget that sport is about celebrating, about human, celebrating humanity, about being better people. And we become so obsessed with even things like equipment and external conditions and diet and uh, the, these things that we, we forget. It's about humanity and that's what makes it interesting. And that's what the fans want too. I mean, people right. talk about, you know, the business and I told you at the beginning, I think sport, the purpose of sport is education. It's success as a business depends on it being in this way I'm describing this way of celebrating what's good in human beings and promoting what's good in human beings. That's what makes it entertaining is to see people struggle and then triumph and to deal with all of these things it gives us hope as um, as an audience and it gives us all these kinds of things that we look for um, also in entertainment so um, you know that human aspect is something that we really need to emphasize um, I think coaches captains sportscasters anybody any of us who talks about sport yeah that's big and I, I want to go back to I really liked how you 
describe your experience as a as an ethics professor or ethics instructor you know i can you can sit here all day and and talk about ethical theory but it doesn't mean anything because it's you know it's it's nothing until it's actually put into practice um and i think that's a good way to look at it in sports like great you can sit here and tell me all you want about as, as a coach telling the athletes hey how x y and z is important how nothing else is and how winning isn't the most important thing and it's you know the education piece and the humanity but if the coach isn't practicing that and isn't treating his players that way then the lesson is going to be completely lost in your athletes so i think that's a good thing for coaches especially to keep in mind and then like you said the humanity piece and why we enjoy sport and why sport as a business is so successful is you know only as great as its reflection of of what we want to get out of it in in terms of experiencing humanity and seeing good triumph and hard work and and all these virtues triumph and be victorious it's why we love an underdog right like it's the it's yeah. the perfect story that gets reflected in humanity um so i think that those are all great points are there any other kind of pet peeves or maybe you know your biggest pet peeve outside of the the dehumanization aspect biggest pet peeves you see in sports today yeah <laughs> i'm gonna think of something else that i mean i think like i said the obsession with numbers and, and biometrics and then the, in general the dehumanization mm -hmm. of sport um one of the and one another way of saying the same sort of thing is when you think about what value is what what counts as valuable um a lot of people the only calculus of value that they have is monetary right and so, well, this is going to make you money either down the line or 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 immediately or whatever and um we don't talk about other kinds of values behind besides the economic ones and the result is that a lot of times you know, you put everything and you have to, to becoming wealthy or whatever, and then people become wealthy and they realize that they don't have meaning. And so a lot of wealthy people have all psychological problems or they, they, need, they need help dealing with life because it turned out that wealth didn't make life, didn't bring happiness and didn't bring right. um, meaning. And it's okay, it's cliche or whatever, um, it's a reality and it's there and it's demonstrable. Um, and so really, if the only reason you're doing sport is for wealth or form of wealth, some monetary compensation, um, you really kind of have to ask yourself if it's, if it's worthwhile. I've often, I've often said that, um, you know, a lot of people think that the reason to do sports is money, but really it's not an efficient way of making money at all. If you look at the, you know, sort of the, a lot of times call departments have placement rates and how many of their um, students get um, get jobs in in what they're trained for and how much they earn and you if you were to do that with most sport programs assuming that what they're there for is to prepare people to become professional athletes they would have terrible numbers yeah. there's these great successful stories but if you were to have to you know prove that all of the graduates of your you know basketball program and that was probably your best chance, the basketball program, but whatever your lacrosse program, that they were able to make X number of dollars for a certain period of time over their lives off of sport. It would be a failure. And that's fine with me because obviously I don't think that the production of wealth and the production of money is what 
um, the purpose of sport is. I think it's educational. And so, you know, it's great, you know, professional sports are great, um, you know, insofar as they could promote these values and all that. And I think being an athlete and even being an athlete on a very high level is a, is a, is a good thing. Um, but we need to be able to talk about other values in sport besides money. And um, because really we all know in the end that, you know, poverty is a terrible thing and money helps up to a certain point. But ultimately as humans, we want more than wealth. We want meaning, we want happiness, we want right. relationships that are reliable. And you can get so many of those things from sports. I mean, think about the friendships that every athlete has built up through their career. And how many athletes will tell you that the money that they got is more valuable than those friendships? I don't, I bet if you asked them, they wouldn't say it. They would say that the friendship is a lot more important. Oh, yeah. So we need to emphasize those. No, that's great. I agree. I think that's a, a great, um, a great kind of focus, you know, like you said. And I'm not, I'm not against money in sport. I'm not right. against money in sport. Um, you know, there was the amateur, I grew up when I was a, when I was an athlete back in the eighties, this was the time of the kind of the ending of the amateurism movement and the amateurism movement, while theoretically is very similar to what I'm saying, that re what really matters in sport is not the money. It actually got turned on its head because they had all these restrictions on whether you could earn any money from sport. And then the whole game became how you could earn money without breaking the amateur rules. <laughs> and then the obsession became about making money. So right. it actually had the opposite of effect. And so I actually think if you look at sports, that sponsors, um, the business side of it actually keeps it in line because the sponsors are looking for this human, this drama of humanity that I'm talking for, uh, that I'm right, talking right, about. Right. So I'm, I'm pro sponsorship. I think pro sports are, are fine. I, I, I don't have, you know, um, I'm not saying that the money is out of sport. I'm just saying it's not what's important. It's not meaningful. It's not what makes sport good. And it shouldn't be the goal of sport. Right, exactly. And I think most people would agree with you that, you know, money, money in sport inherently is not a bad thing. And if you keep it, you know, in a reasonable sense, it'll, it'll only help magnify kind of what sport is about, like you said, because the money loves, you know, the money is run by humans and humans love a good story and love the experience. So if you're meeting that criteria, then it'll, you know, it'll flow in that direction and kind of reinforce the behaviors and kind of the experiences that we want to see in sports. So I think that's a, a great way to look at it from kind of the money side of it and not being obsessed with it, but being, you know, just another part of sport at a, at the professional level, at least. Um, so I think that's great. Heather, it's also, been the college, oh, I was say the college level, um, you know, sport does, um, it's been, kids a lot of times come from a background where they don't have a lot of opportunities it does um, excellence in athletics can pave the way to a college education which is demonstrably a key to um, climbing the socioeconomic ladder in the United States and so um, the fact that there are things like college scholarships and other things which some people think that it's not appropriate to distribute educational resources according to athletic skill I do think that you can demonstrate that 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 system has provided opportunities to, to people who their athletic ability also shows virtues that are often useful in careers. I mean, uh, student athletes 
often do very well in um, in success after college. They've, yes. they've shown. For sure, I think that's a great a great thing to kind of keep in perspective as well. Is is sport has its use in in gaining higher education for people who otherwise wouldn't have the resources or the motivation or the the capability to achieve otherwise. And it's just another avenue, you know, kind of kind of a tangent tangential one, but of of education, um, not just in sport itself, but the education outside of sport that sport allows you to enter. So I think it's a great thing to keep in mind as well. So Heather, it's been, it's been great having you on the show. Uh, I just have one last question for you because I love teasing these out of uh, my guests because they usually are much, much, much more well-read than I am. Is there a book or, or two that you find yourself most often recommending to you know, other sports philosophers, athletes, or coaches you come across, anybody like that, um, you know, one or two books that you, you highly recommend. That are about books about sports. I mean, or in general, I'll, I'll, I'll make one shameless plug. My first book, which is called the philosophical athlete is a book that's written for practicing athletes who are looking um, to understand the philosophical side of what they do. It's not a super scholarly book, it's not super technical, um, but it shows a connection between the experience of being an athlete and the practice of philosophy and the history of philosophy and all the, the authors um, through history. The other book that um, I think is a good book to read is um, Plato's dialogues, or even specifically Plato's Republic, um, where he talks about the good life and has quite a bit to talk about, uh, quite a bit to say about the educational value of sport. Um, it's not specifically about, it's not, it's an ancient text, it's not about uh, modern athletes, but I think these texts are good. And one more, um, there, are, there are great classics of Chinese philosophy, the, the Tao Te Ching, yeah. And Analects of Confucius. And when I studied those things, I found that there was a real connection between these and uh, these Eastern philosophical classics and Western philosophy books like Marcus Aurelius's Meditations yeah. or Epicurus's Handbook. Yep. And those are books that are written for daily reading to sort of inspire you and keep you centered and I think that they're really relevant for athletes even though they're not written for the athletes if, if what we're trying to do like we were just saying is right. to give space for people to think about the humanistic side of it and what relates to life you know there's plenty of information about sports what you want is information about about life and being a good right. person leading a good life and so those philosophical classics are the place to to find that Awesome. Awesome. I'll definitely pop those in the show notes for our listeners. Um, definitely check them out. I will definitely be checking out your book, Heather. Um, sounds you extremely can, interesting, just like the rest of those. You can find on my, there's an academia page, or even if you just search my name on Amazon, there are um, a few books, um, including that one. And I just published a book called Olympic Philosophy that just came out this year that has, including, it has a lot of my work, um, in, related to the Olympic Games, the philosophy behind the Olympic Games, and which has a lot of this ancient Greek stuff, but also some of this ancient Chinese um, philosophy. So it's kind of an international way of looking at the philosophy of sport. 
Great. Perfect. All right, Heather. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners got more than enough to, you know, fill their philosophy needs this morning uh, or whatever time of day you're listening to it. So it's been a great pleasure. Okay. Thanks, Luke. Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Luke Poulet. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.